Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. We have a smaller lineup today on the bandwagon. It is just myself, our good friend, the lawyer, David Ungar, and the live studio audience himself, PC Tunney here, welcoming you to the bandwagon. How are you guys doing today? Doing well, man. Washington football team in first place, as we were talking about. So, I mean, go figure. I, I shared this off air. I almost didn't pour the scotch for the show tonight. Because I figure I'm going to need it during Sunday Night Football. Oh, is it Bears-Packers tonight? It is Bears-Packers tonight. It's going to be a bloodbath. Feel the rhythm. Feel the rhyme. Get on up. It's Chicago Bear ass-kicking time. Green Bay Packers, baby. Go Pack Go. Yeah, you guys have fun with that. I, Sorry. I, I, I won't do that again, Patrick. Wait, I just more. have to respond. Go Pack Go. All right, I'm better. Like, like, what am I supposed to do? Because the Bears are trash. Like, they're just trash. This is for first this place, for right? First place, right? No. They're five and... What are you, five and five? Bears are five Bears and five. Are five. We're ter- yeah, we're two games up. Well, we do play each other twice more the last game of the season as well. So, technically, the Bears do control their own destiny, folks. Uh, ah, God. Like that, Patrick? I did that I just for you. I don't at all. It's a scary <laughs> thought. I'm here. I'm here, all excited to talk nerd stuff, and I'm just miserable about about my football. Six in a row, dude. I, I was talking. Um, I, I've got college basketball. We were talking about that before the show kicked on too. At least there, there's a respectability coming out of Champaign, Illinois, for basketball. But Wisconsin yesterday opened a game. What twenty five to nothing. Against somebody who it was some scrub team, I'm sure, because that's what everybody's playing right now. But it was like this obscene first half where like Wisconsin was up 25 to nothing. I think it topped out at like 32 to nothing or something before their opponent scored. It was brutal to watch. Uh, and that's the joy of college basketball is the the buy games are rough. Illinois beat their first two teams by a combined like I think a hundred points or something like that. Like it was it was ridiculous and then they barely beat ohio on uh on uh friday did you big 10 is up at, big 10's up i'll just say this real quick Dave. big 10's up in basketball you got four teams in the top 12 out of the big 10 between iowa illinois wisconsin and michigan state not in that order i just want to know did you guys get a call from the denver broncos to play quarterback this weekend because you know they're looking for somebody in the words of homer simpson oh the denver broncos yeah that's a that's a rough. That's a rough go. I, what is it? A wide receiver on the practice squad? Is their starting quarterback? Hinton. Yeah, I, I actually yeah. checked this morning before I before I went out and about for my day, and I was like, oh, I wonder if that game is on in my area. Uh, it's not. That would love to watch that game. John Elway is going to play. Well, Von, you know Von Miller. Von Miller tweeted, "Von Elway is ready," and it showed him a picture of throwing a football. Nice. Nice. I, I think I think there's probably some more on a fantasy football team, whoever their starting quarterback is today. Like, I'm just well, showing that money. In deeper leagues, maybe. <laughs> True. All right. Well, this is not Three Man Weave. This is not any of our other sports podcasts. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds, which is a part of the ChairShot Radio Network, the ChairShot Media Group, uh, found at thechairshot.com. We are coming to you with... 
a little bit more of a holiday flavor to the episode of the bandwagon today because Dave and I are going to help you fellow nerds with your holiday shopping for the other nerds in your life. Dave and I have scoured the interwebs. Well, at least I did. I don't know if Dave, Dave, did you scour or did you do like a 10 minute Google search? Scour? I don't know about scour, but I did. I've got some good holiday gift buying ideas for people. I'll just say this. I can chime in at the end because, uh, with, with the new, with my new shoot job, I'm very well versed in, in what, uh, holiday gifts are available for people. We don't need to get any further into my real life, but I'll just say that. Very nice. Very at, least nice. Look- at least you're employed again, Tony. So that's good. Oh, yeah, it's good and bad. It was so nice. Was, I, don't, I don't even want to tell you how many weeks, but it was fucking great. So before we get into that, before we get into our main topic, I, I was talking about this with Dave. The reason this really came up, December, December, January, and we talked about this last year too on the show. December, January is a tough news cycle for entertainment news. There's just not a lot that happens that goes on out there. And so I've been kicking around a couple of ideas for some projects for the holiday season, maybe bringing up a list show, but a different list show. Uh, and I want to get your guys' opinion on it, but I'll talk about that towards the end. I did want to keep on, I kept on a, it was such a light Newsday that I kept a topic we didn't get to last week on the rundown for this week, just so that we could cover it today. And it was another one of those articles that was about the person, less so than about the news and how it impacted the show that was going on there. We, of course, have got to talk about The Mandalorian, uh, episode 13, chapter 13, big goings ons there. My first true, like, markout moment on the show in terms of a fan servicey thing which I don't know if it really will turn into its own show or if it was just a fan servicey thing, but it was the first time I went like, oh my gosh, like loud enough that the wife came down and was like, what are you talking about? And so I, um, yeah, I was, it was, I was a really good episode. I enjoyed that. Uh, a little bit of Marvel news, uh, a significant thing happens today in terms of the MCU. And then we'll get to it with, uh, with our holiday shopping guide. So, Without further ado, this episode of The Mandalorian, Dave, you described it how. You 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 why don't you kick it off? Because you really liked this episode. I think this was the best episode of the entire series. I think it was easily the most important episode of the entire series. And it it's landscape altering as far as not just Mandalorian. But Star Wars moving forward, I think you can make a strong argument. They opened the box Pandora's box really got open in this episode. And I I don't think it's hyperbole when I say this was the most important episode of the series. Dare say this was the most important moment in star Wars, including the sequel trilogy that we've gotten because they really, that name drop that we're going to talk about is a major, somebody we mentioned during the star Wars discussion. We had a couple weeks ago, Patrick, Uh, his name got dropped. And we talked about because we talked about a sequel series. We right. thought that was where it was going to go. And like, let's let's just get right to that. Sure. Why don't we just start? Let's talk about. So, at the end of the uh, not at the end of the episode, it's kind of like halfway through, right? Like, Ahsoka Tano is in the midst of a battle. She's fighting. I can't remember the name of the woman that she was combating, but she's like, "Where's your master? Where's your master? Where's Grand Admiral Thrawn?" 
And for those of you who don't know, Grand Admiral Thrawn first got his introduction in a series of books. I can't remember what the series is actually called, but it was written by Timothy Zahn. Heir to the Empire. Heir to the Empire. And that's the trilogy, right? They call the whole trilogy the Heir to the Empire trilogy. Right, right. And of and everybody who's listened to this show and has heard my opinion about supplemental outside materials when it comes to the Star Wars universe knows that I generally have kind of a disdain for it. My exception is the Thrawn trilogy. I call it the Thrawn trilogy. The Thrawn trilogy, which to me felt like the most natural successor to Return of the Jedi. And was a was a series that introduced who tries to fill the void left by the death of the Empire or the Emperor and continue to run the Imperial Army and becomes the next threat that Luke Skywalker has to deal with. You also encounter that's your first introduction to characters like Mara Jade, I do if I do recall correctly. Definitely. There is a there's a clone Jedi floating around in there. Like it's it was a really good story. It it also it also into it. It also messed with the Force Ghost concept because the first book, Luke is like talking to Obi Wan Kenobi, Force Ghost, and Obi Wan Kenobi's like, "I have to go now," and the Force Ghosts go away. Like he doesn't talk to Force Ghosts after that in that trilogy, and so. But Thrawn was this just great villain that kind of got wiped away when a lot of this retconning started with the star Wars universe. And it's like the one thing that I was very disappointed didn't stick. So many things did stick. And this is the one thing I wanted to stick and didn't. So when I heard that name, I was like, Whoa, they did that. Yeah. It was an audible in my house. My nephew and I are watching it and we know who he is now. My wife and my niece, not so much, but when right. she says, where's your master? Cause I thought, you know, you thought, okay, Moff Gideon's the master. That's what you're thinking. Right. And then they swerve you. And they say, where's Grand Admiral Thrawn? And you're like, I mean, audibly, it was like, holy shit. Because they really, that opens up so many possibilities as to where they might be going and who they might be introducing. And, and now, you know, during the Star Wars episode, I speculated, were they going to try to tie this into the sequel trilogy? And the last episode nudged that in a direction of yes. And this kind of shoved it in a direction of strongly maybe now that... And and it raises all sorts of things. You know, does Luke get involved? And, and, you know, are they going in that direction? You know, I mean, well, we can talk about it more. I mean, you know, I, th- I think we're going to get into it. Uh, you know, there's other Ahsoka Tana, badasses can be. Rosario Dawson knocked it out of the park. Doing a live action version of her was not going to be easy. I think she nailed it. And of course, the big reveal. Now we know the child's name. Yes. Which was funny because it immediately prompted idiots on Twitter being like, I'm still going to call it Baby Yoda. Fine, call it Baby Yoda. (laughs) The live studio audience agrees with me. I'm calling them Grey Goose because it sounds better than his real name. Grey Goose. (laughs) Who cares what his name is? Like at the end of the day, I thought it was fine. It's a cute name. Like there was no, there was no harm done there, was there? None. No. I was. Okay. I was. Weren't you all? Weren't you both just happy to know his name finally? Like we yeah, don't have to just call him Baby Yoda. Or, he's not Yoda. We don't know the fucking. Do we even know the name of their race? No. I mean, that's like, what some people, yeah. some other people were whining about that too. Well, I thought they were. You know, we were going to get a reveal of the species that sort of thing, which we didn't. I, yeah, honestly, like, I didn't really right. give a shit. I didn't give a shit whether or not we got the 
got Grogu's name or not. Like you guys said, this was an excellent episode. It tied in so many things. It opens up so many doors for the future. And it was just a badass episode. I mean, honestly, like think about the different sequences we had inside of this episode alone. So, you know, we keep talking about you. You talk about sequences and scenes. One of the things that I absolutely loved as we look at the, the Mandalorian as a space Western, the standoff that Mando has like the old school, like high noon Mexican standoff between the two of them. Uh, by the way, that guy is Michael Bain. Uh, I think is that, is that how you pronounce his name? I'm not sure. Uh, one of the most unheralded character actors out there. He was the protagonist in uh, in the Terminator. Is that uh, that's the, Carl or what the hell? Uh, I don't remember. But he's John Connor's father, right? John Connor's father in the Terminator. He's he's Corporal. It's Kyle Reese, by the way. Kyle, thank uh, you. Thank Cor- you. Corporal Hicks from Aliens. Commander Anderson in The Rock, a nerd reviewed movie, The Rock. He's he's always like he's um, Johnny Ringo in Tombstone. That's probably one of my favorite roles of his ever. But he's always like that kind of cool gun toting dude who dies. <laughs> like that's his thing. And now that you met him, I got to give a shout out to my wife. She said the same thing. And we're like, no, I don't think that's the same guy. But apparently it's it is totally the same guy. Michael Bien. Bien or Bean or yeah. Bane. I don't know. His voice is so is really, really distinctive. Like it's like that soft kind of gravelly little voice. But yeah, I was I loved seeing him and i was like oh that's so great and then he died and i was like oh he's already done because that's what he does he did so he was sean bean before sean bean did sean bean stuff like that's that's michael bn like that's what's so great about this and you know we got a we got a the other thing that was really great about this episode and that i thought was really important was ahsoka connecting and talking to grogu and defining the relationship between Grogu and the Mandalorian and really laying it out there that this has become almost a father, you know, this has become a father son dynamic and that the child has started to grow attached, grow to has grown attached to Mando. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, they're communicating telepathically through the force. Right. Um, and, and like you're saying, yeah, there's a, a much stronger bond between Mando and Grogu then, uh, you know, I mean, you suspected it, but now it's been confirmed by a Jedi. Right. And she refuses to train him because of that attachment. And that's, you know, now the big thing, like the adventure took a new step. Now he has to get to another place to see if someone will train him. And that now, who will it be? Right. And there's not many Jedi. Just let's get it out of the way. It's not going to be. Skywalker, all right so just dismiss that from your mind how many others are out there I, I mean who knows is what about that kid from rebels i don't even know his name oh ezra could it be him i don't even know ezra i don't, I don't show like i just don't know they seem to work so hard to put in so many ties to these animated series I'm just trying to look for where other jedis exist we actually don't know who who truly survived order 66 right. we know the child right. did because apparently he was around back then. And he was taken from the temple on Coruscant. Right. So, Which, by the way, one of my favorite tweets, and I shared this in the chat, when we talk about continuity problems that exist in Star Wars, Ben Kenobi, the Emperor has already won. You are our only hope. Luke, Yoda spoke of another. 
Ben. Oh, yeah, he must have been Ahsoka to know. A fully trained warrior badass who's alive just off screen. She's got two two lightsabers. Luke, yeah, that is badass. Ben, you only have one and you lost it. Like <laughs> that that is one of the things that it, I I struggle with is that it this is exciting, but it does create some serious continuity issues out of the uh, the original trilogy now because it's well established that not only does Obi Wan Kenobi know who Ahsoka is, like they traveled together, like they did shit together. Like, are, is it just that we're supposed to assume that she's presumed dead? I, I think that there's a a belief she was presumed dead, or I mean, you can get real deep in a Clone Wars years later, right? Yeah, like, doesn't she, re- she rebels or something? Well, she gets accused of treason and then gets acquitted of that, and then is so disillusioned with everything that she basically walks away from the Jedi Order. And then, like your Ezra is probably the best choice as to who Mando's going to contact at the temple or who's going to respond. But um, mm. you know, ah- Ahsoka is just uh, she's. I don't know if it's if it's continuity shattering. It may need some, you know, like you and I know you hate when they have to go to all this extrapolation to figure out, okay, how do we explain this? Um, and they may have to do that with this, but still she, she's what, I mean, and you just watch her in this episode and you're just like, you know, you could throw everything you want at her. This is a woman. This is a Jedi who not only, I mean, she faced Darth Vader and survived. So throw whatever you want at her. Good luck. Uh, we retconned the retcon of the retcon that will then be retconned. Well, I mean, the fight with Vader was from one of the animated series, but I mean, and that right. was always great because, you know, she was trained by Anakin and then to come full circle and have to fight him in his dark variation. So she's been around. And, and I think that that was important from the standpoint that she knows the danger of attachment because she's seen firsthand what it did to her best friend, her mentor, the person she looked up to most in the world. So she's not going to go down that path. And, and I thought that was an important moment for her standpoint. Right. One, two, three, not it, not it, not touching it. Not to, no, 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 no. Um, Here's, there's, so what I got a couple, I was just browsing some websites while you guys were talking. I obviously see Ezra here as to who will train Grogu, but there's Luke, um, Cal Kestis. um, And then I don't never heard of C-E-R-E. I I don't want to pronounce it wrong. Do you know who that is? I don't, I think. Um, it could, I mean, theoretically, if you're going to go down the loop path. Artificial intelligence? I don't know. Hey, Siri, teach me how to be a Jedi. <laughs> there you go. Oh, I accidentally turned on Siri. <laughs> what, does she tell, what does she tell you when you ask her that? I'm sorry, oh, Pat. The force is not strong with me. I, I, I'll, I'll look at the answer afterwards. I, I tried to shut her off before she crashed on my mic. I'm curious what she said. Can you train me to be a Jedi? I don't have an answer for that. Is there something else I can help with? That's it. That's very my disappointing. My Surrey's Australian, by the way. The force is weak oh, in that I, one. I'm South African. My uh, the little O'Dowd one day discovered the accents and just kept changing it. So every day I have to like I get a new I get a new nationality for uh, for Siri. So. If I had the soundbite right now and I haven't set up that part, I'm just, you know, dipped my toe into recording. But if I could play a soundbite right now, I would play a soundbite from one of the Austin Powers movies that is Austin saying, whoop-de-doo, Basil, what does it all mean? Because what does it all mean for this show and for spinoff shows going forward? 
are we getting a Rosario Dawson-led Ahsoka to know Disney Plus show, a la the speculation we had after the the appearance of Boba Fett, a possible Boba Fett Disney Plus spinoff show? Is this just a, a case of the best fishermen generally cast the biggest net, and let's just see what sticks the best? I mean, is this like a precursor, like, hey, instead of inviting people in to watch and test them and see what, you know, piques their interest, let's just go and see what the masses think about it right away. I, I mean, that, to me, that feels like the, the and to Dave, you and I talked about this before. Disney Plus, they have every avenue available to them. If they want to turn something into a series, boom. If they want to turn something into a movie, boom. If they want to turn something into a cartoon, boom. Book, boom. Disney's got it covered. It's an opportunity for them to show, they're showing how big the universe really is. That if you're just looking at the movies, there's a much wider world that they're now starting to introduce bits and pieces of. You got, you know, stuff, Bo-Katan over here. We can do stuff with their whole journey with Sasha Banks. Now you've got Ahsoka Tano and her story and where we can go with that. And now we've got over here, we can introduce some other stuff. So yeah, I, I agree with Tony. I think they're throwing things out there to see what kind of reaction they're getting from people. I mean, obviously this this episode had a very strong reaction. So in answer to your question, Patrick, maybe. That's the best answer you can <laughs> give is that they're they're looking at they're looking at their options, they're saying, here's what we can do. Um, you know, they everything that they did in this episode, um, you know, the fight with her and the magistrate was awesome. And and learning that Beskar can actually repel lightsabers was a revelation um and that was pretty cool it, it keys it keys into helping you understand how the the mandalore people could battle the jedi effectively right 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 exactly and that and that was a big there's enemies you, you got to be able to know your foe and that was a great example showing that they how mandalore was able to kind of to compete with jedi because until that point we hadn't really seen it like we've seen jedi fight people in mandalorian armor before i mean you know mace window literally cut off jango's fully armored head now Now, i gotta throw i gotta throw something out there this is something my nephew and i were talking about there is a theory out there floating around and i that mace window did not die in Revenge oh, of the Sith, I swear this is this is a, a theory no, that's I'm been floating because there's a there's a theory for everything. Right. It's just what if shut your no. he what if he answers the call at the temple, <laughs> and Samuel Jackson shows up somehow, some way? Because yeah, train the motherfucker. Yeah, that's right. I have, uh, here, I got I got a here I got a quick question responding to that, and then I have a question that I really want you guys to dive in afterwards. The first question is, what if it's not a Jedi that shows up and takes Grogu to go to train? What if it's they assume it's a Jedi and it's actually whatever you want to say, a Sith, whatever, you know, the the other side, you know what I mean? They they could do that. And then my other thing I want you guys really to get into is how would you like to consume different storylines moving forward in the Star Wars uh, universe? Because now you have all these different mediums. You can do the, the comic book more cartoon kind of thing. Right. And series like that animated. Right. You can do the just mini series or just general series like they're doing with Mandalorian. You can do one-off movie. You can do trilogies. I mean, 
how would you like to consume different storylines now moving forward as much as the decision for viewers to pervade to Disney as it is for Disney to decide what they want to do with each character. Go ahead, Patrick. Don't you know, I mean, different characters are going to be better off for movies. Different characters are going to be better off for a series. Different characters are going to be better off to be animated and fan bases are going to follow those different things. I mean, I think that's a big way to look at what they're going to do with each thing they're introducing into the Mandalorian. Cause right now this is basically like the gateway right into the future of what we're going to see for star Wars. Right. Right. I think, Oh, go ahead, Dave. I'm just, I mean, the problem is that, you know, one of the problems with the extended universe before they kind of, um, I don't know, they didn't redact it, but they kind of refined it and cut certain aspects out was that it was just too big. And it's like we talked about last week with with Marvel and DC and multiple continuities going on. And it just gets unwieldy to the point that you can't really grasp it. And I think they have to be careful that they don't go down that path, because, you know, if you want to stick to the movies and what's on Disney Plus and say this, because like with Marvel, like, I, I mean, the MCU is almost like a continuity unto itself. That's somewhat it's related to the comics, but it is a separate story because like Infinity War wasn't really what happened with Infinity Gauntlet. Thanos's overratedness, notwithstanding. Sorry, you know, Patrick, I've given you a I'd shout like out to there. See you back on my side, yeah. <laughs> could, they, could, could they be creating their own cornerstone as to yes. pervade the story yes. they're trying to sell forward? Like, hey, this is the Mandalorian part of Star Wars and this is our cornerstone and this is what we're doing as Disney moving forward. You know, I, I think that's a huge thing to do that. Right. And I think they're right. And I think they're doing it could be doing different story arcs that kind of interact with the um, the main storyline at certain junction points. And and that's fine that maybe that's what they're going to do It's just, okay. we've got the Mandalorian story arc here that kind of ties in with the sequel trilogy in in little places, but not fully over. You know, it's not going to be like subsumed by it, that sort of thing. So I feel like what's what's come out of the series out of the Mandalorian series personally I think the stories that they've told at least two of them I feel like lend themselves to other series like I feel like if they were to pursue a Boba Fett sort of thing they that that would be a Boba Fett series uh and then the other one with uh I always forget her name what's the the Mandalorian we we met with uh, Sasha Banks oh Bo-Katan uh, Bo-Katan I think Bo-Katan is those those two I would I see as being potential for, for another series. I see the story of Ahsoka possibly being something that could be turned into a very successful film franchise, especially with the strength of Rosario Dawson behind it as a character and, and just sort of her own offshoot and tale. I, the other side of the coin is true though, too. Like I could see her, I could see that being told as a story, but I think of the three, that one's the one that most lends itself to, to be its own individual sort of set of movies, but we don't know. And I think that Disney plus like you, like you alluded to Tony, like Disney plus has every Avenue open in front of it and it really can't take advantage of that. And they are going to take advantage of that. They're going to build it. They're going to, they're going to grow it as they see fit and you find the right showrunner you you can have a great series. I mean, John Favreau has proven that. You you find the right producer, and you can do a great film fr- franchise. Kevin Feige has has shown that. So the possibilities really are endless. I don't think that any of these three characters that we've talked about so far 
that that Disney and Star Wars are done with by any stretch of the imagination. And this is coming from a guy who does not care about Boba Fett, does not like Boba Fett, but that he's out of the he's he is out of he's out of the box, as you said, out of the Pandora's box and is out there. Like people are gonna want to know what's gonna happen to him and somebody's gonna want to tell that story. Bandwagon Nerds, episode forty, title Boba Fett is overrated. That was a Patrick O'Dowd special right there. It was a total he is overrated. Was it number forty? Was that the one where was, we did that? It was number forty, yeah. Excellent. He's totally <laughs> overrated. So it's fairly recent, yeah. sort of. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to have like a Patrick O'Dowd's like overrated Hall of Fame now. I've got Boba Fett, I've got Thanos, all of the Star Wars movies, uh no see, Christmas vacation. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. That that was that was designed to rile, rile some folks. I, I love Christmas vacation. Don't don't quote me on that one. You're gonna get you're so, gonna wake up with your face sewn to the carpet next time. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Okay. So we're down to what well, we got three episodes left? Yeah. Three more. This ends this ends with him reaching the destination, putting the baby on uh putting Grogu on the little pedestal thing and the Jedi walking up and scene. You know that, right? Or Tuddy's Tuddy's theory could or come or Grand, yeah. Grand Admiral Thrawn shows up, stay, takes a child and says, see ya. I think if it's it more Moff Gideon shows up. If it wasn't for this show, I would I would save the last three. I would wait three weeks and watch the three at end, but maybe I'll just watch the last couple leading into it. I did watch this last episode twice, and it's the first time I did that. So, Dave, to your credit, maybe it is. I didn't think so. I said definitely top three but maybe it is the best episode so far i i can't think of one that i mean and there's been some great episodes but once you start bringing a character as iconic as ahsoka tana in there and she's got dual lightsabers and she's beating the shit out of everything inside i'm like that's it so really for you it's just all about the action it was it was just the impact of the episode combined with the action is what put me over the top Oh, it was a, it was a terrific episode. I, I have no complaints at all, and I'm looking forward to seeing how this crescendos, where this wave rises, and how it crashes down. So, more to come on that. But I think that'll do it for this week uh, on Mandalorian talk, episode 13. What I wanted to get to next, as we as we head into this, I I switched the the rundown around on you a little bit, Dave. We've only been going for about 30 minutes here, and. As DeMarco likes to give me a hard time about how long this show is, I like to let him know that we have a dedicated format and he should shove it and that we don't take our break until about an hour into the show. So you heard it here, DeMarco, calling you out. Thank you, live studio audience. So last week, one of the news items we didn't get to that I thought was just kind of cool. And Dave, I guess I should start. Have you watched Stranger Things yet? Okay, so... Full disclosure, what's going on is Stranger Things is one of three series that I'm trying to get caught up on. Stranger Things is one of them. Game of Thrones is the other. Walking Dead's the third. I I am midway through season two of Stranger Things. Oh, gosh. Okay. Tony, did I see that you haven't watched Stranger Things at all? No, I have not watched Stranger Things, Breaking Bad either, uh, but definitely seen all of Game of Thrones. (laughs) Dave, you should start there. I'm in season two of Game of Thrones, so... I'm in season eight of Walking Dead, so that's good. Carl died. I told you that a couple on one of the DWI podcasts. Spoilers. Yeah, it's a spoiler. Actually, 
That you just reminded me of something, Tony. Oh my God, no! I wanted to talk about this, and I knew I wanted to when we were talking about the Mandalorian. Because as everybody knows, we're not spoiler free on the show. We this this show drops on a Friday. We record on a Sunday. This drops on Monday. Most people have watched the episode by the time they get to to listening to us anyway. But I was floating around on social media, and one of my friends on Facebook just wrote the name Grogu as their Facebook status, and somebody underneath commented no spoilers and i feel like we've talked about this before but this is an example of the spoiler culture getting a little too out of hand here if you don't want to know about something shut down social media and i'll and i'll tell you because i'll I'll even take you recently uh survivor series i was not able to stay awake like i was awake when survivor series started but i needed to go to bed i needed to get up early the next day and i knew i wasn't gonna watch it so you know what i did i didn't look at my texts from any of you guys i didn't look at my dms from any of you guys i didn't look at any of our conversations i didn't go on twitter i didn't go on the dirtiest of sheets just use your fucking head use your head right sorry right but when I see something like Grogu and somebody complaining about a spoiler, that's not a spoiler, people. That doesn't spoil any aspect of the show other than a name that you refuse to use for the character anyway. Like, there were no plot points. There was no... It's not like they revealed some big twist ending. Nothing. If at you, all. If you know... Stop everything about a show a fucking spoiler just because you haven't watched it it's not a spoiler grow if you know what grogu means and you haven't watched the episode somebody else spoiled it for you right like just give me a break and to to echo tony if you really care that much don't check your stuff because like i do this with sports all the time my old man spoiled uh spoiled a football game for me the illinois nebraska game which i had accepted illinois defeat but recorded it anyway because i'm that kind of fan who hates himself get a text from my old man after i've told him i'm working this like hey illinois won and i'm like hadn't watched the game yet now in fairness to rick rick o'dowd i had not uh told him i was recording the game so he just assumed i was watching it and so it's not unfair to dad but i was like it was like spoilers man but i wasn't checking my stuff like i got a message from him was like oh is he dead and that was how that went wow even if things get spoiled for you you can still just take a deep breath and move on i mean dave spoiled aj styles winning the title in in london for me so and we're best friends now so you know no big deal (laughs) i spoiled the bears win over the lions in week one for patrick (laughs) and it's true you did actually you want to know my, my favorite I'm proud of this, and Greg really was pissed at me about it. When they announced The Rock officially as hosting WrestleMania on Raw, I completely went to we're on the same time zone and fucking like did like the excited like, oh my god, it's The Rock, it's official, blah, 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 to Greg in this text. And he was like, you son of a bitch, I haven't watched anything yet. It's three hours from now. So that one, I, I felt bad, but not really. So, but point here is everyone, if finding out something as innocuous as a detail like that is truly going to ruin your enjoyment of a show, did you really enjoy the show? Like, what's the point? Like, you can still enjoy a show. And there, there's a difference between, in my opinion, revealing a name of a character and then 
revealing some big twist that yeah might be a little less fun. Like it's not like they revealed the ending of six the sixth sense to you before you'd seen it. So move on with your lives. I mean now if, I'm gonna if, go start talking about Stranger Things. If they posted just one last thing, if they posted Grand Admiral Thrawn, okay, that that would be a different story. Right. That I actually think is yeah absolutely a bigger deal. But Stranger Things, so Stranger Things, a couple weeks ago, they made an announcement, a casting announcement, that they are adding horror movie icon Robert England to the cast, which I have no idea. There's undisclosed role. Nobody knows what what he's doing. No, nobody has any any sort of idea about what. They just know that he's been cast. Let me just say, I am so excited to see this guy in a sci-fi horror-esque 1980s knockoff television show like Stranger Things. I can't wait to see what they're going to do with him because low-key, one of my favorite horror movie actors of all time. What I'm about to lose control, and I think I like it. <laughs> Hell yeah. What I've, seen so of, what I've seen of Stranger Things, I absolutely love. So I'll say that. So I'm... You know where the where the story is now. It's it's obviously quite dark, uh, but it's it's awesome. And to add him as an element, I you know I and I don't I haven't heard anything. I mean I've got bits and pieces of season three. I know somebody's in Russia. I know the Russians are involved. And that's all fine. Um, so I don't know, but yeah, I mean adding Robert England to a show that's already, you know, yeah, it's it's young adult ish with some darker tones to it for sure. But uh, I yeah, count me in. Take my money again. Like, and let's talk about Robert England real quick. Cause everybody knows him as Freddy Krueger, but he was such a great actor and he had more range, but Freddy Krueger just sort of took over everything for him. If you want to see just a sharp contrast to the Freddy Krueger character, check out the work he did as an alien in the TV 1980s TV miniseries V starring Mark Singer about an alien invasion. He plays like this gentle, friendly alien. Yeah, you know what I'm talking you about. You remember that show? My Lord. I own that show on DVD. I loved a lizard baby, man. The girl gives birth to a lizard child. It's awesome. I had not awesome. thought about that show until you mentioned it right now in years, but that was a major, major thing back in the day. It was a huge miniseries event, and it, became, it spun off in its own show. It didn't last very long; it only lasted like a season. But oh yeah, it had um, it had a lot of like World War II Nazi Nazi regime, not so thinly veiled anti communism messaging. It was just. At the time, I was all in on it. It does not age well at all. You go back and watch it now, and you're like, "Ooh, yeesh!" But it had the be- it had the Beastmaster in there, so it's got to it be all right. It had the Beastmaster himself, Mark Singer. But yeah, Robert England. I-, I hope he gets to do something between like this sort of cold, calculating scientist with a little bit of that maniacal Freddy Krueger over the topness, because I think that'll be a-, a hell of a show and a lot of fun. And Dave, get caught up, man. I would love for you to get caught up so that we could do uh, Stranger Things episode reviews in real time. That's a that's a good show to catch. Well, I figure I got till twenty twenty seven, right? So we should be okay. Yeah, and between that and you know, movies getting dropped left and right, just you know, we know that our Christmas holiday is is going to be taken up by watching and reviewing Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four, right? You know this, right? That's Glad- that is gladly. Gladly. So like, and I was speaking of wonder woman, 1984, I wanted to ask you, 
is it coming out in theaters like a couple weeks before it drops on HBO Max or how do you have you heard anything about that? I really I really don't understand how it's working. I know I'm just waiting it out till the 25th. I feel like I can't like in the articles I've read I really don't remember if it said that it was coming out earlier in other theaters. I'm just now that I know that I've already paid to see it, I'm not going to pay to see it again. Unlike if the rumors are true, we're going to finally probably get a uh, perhaps grain of salt handy uh, Disney announcement regarding Black Widow that that maybe it's going to finally go that premium access route. But it sounds like they're going to hold off on that till April. Uh, allegedly, there's a promo video that got leaked, quote unquote leaked, that shows it as the next premiere access film. Uh, following up on Mulan. So if that happens, then I'm sure we'll be sinking $30 to at least I will probably be sinking $30. Disney, you finally got me. You got me, Disney. Yeah, well I'll, done. I'll give you $30 and not even think about it. Say, so here you go. Let's go. Let's see it. What if you paid $35.99 instead and got the digital version with it to watch again and again and again? I'll pay 40. Oh. I'll negotiate against myself and pay 40, Tony. <laughs> Well, Wouldn't that be the smartest thing for them to do? Like skip the thirty dollars, well, skip the whatever, and be like, okay, thirty nine ninety five. Here you go. So what I understand with Mulan is that once you bought it, you could watch it all you wanted on. The, you just had to watch it on Disney Plus. You couldn't watch it as part of the streaming, like whatever. So it wasn't like a one time purchase. So I think they do that. Um, but then if you wanted like your own kind of copy that you could call yours, that that I think goes outside of it. So if you were to tack on an extra five bucks to say like that you own it, own it, then, you know, I think that's a, for the right movie, that's a worthwhile tempting purchase. So, yeah, but that segues nicely. Um, speaking of the Marvel cinematic universe. So we're, we're recording this on Sunday and Dave, it was hilarious. Apparently you got four hours of sleep the night before Yeah. yesterday. Yeah. You okay there, buddy? What happened? Oh, we we're just up late playing a board game called mage. Did you, night. Rescue, did you, did you rescue another neighbor's dog? No. Is that, is that what happened? no, no, we were up late playing a board game and, and didn't sleep much. Uh, we're playing a, a game called mage night. My, uh, my nephew and I are doing a cooperative scenario in there and it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic game, but it's very involved. Yeah. See, that's the nerdiest thing that's been said on the show today, right there. Like, you know, co-op gaming event. I, I don't, I don't have no room to talk. I started the Dungeons and Dragons campaign yesterday with a bunch of guys and rolled up our characters. So all for it. But you shared a news link after I shared a news link where yeah. It hit the wire. So I, I shared it first and then you shared it like shortly thereafter. And it was clear, like after I was like, yeah, I just shared that. And you were like, oh yeah. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio put out, um, he, he put out a, a, uh, I don't know, was it a tweet or an Instagram post? Hold on. I gotta, I gotta look at it. I, I brought it up on the old website. He's urging fans to sign a hashtag save daredevil petition because today, Marvel and the Marvel Cinematic Universe regains the rights to the to the franchise, to Daredevil. And this is big news. This is exciting news. Question one, should they keep the pre-existing Daredevil cast folks as they were in the series? Because... You know, I think Vincent D'Onofrio gets all the pub 
I also loved Charlie Cox as Daredevil. I thought he was a very good Daredevil. And I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy who played Foggy, uh, Foggy Nelson was also really good too. He was the kid from the Mighty Ducks. The He was Fulton Reed from Mighty Ducks. Uh, and uh, what's her name from True Blood was also in it. I, I could live with or without her, but D'Onofrio, in my opinion, nailed Kingpin. And, you know, the reason he's supporting the petition, I, I joked about this, the reason he's supporting the j- petition is because he wants to keep his his role in that casting job and is excited to the prospect, and I want him to stay. But what about the rest of the cast? Uh, would, would you be down with most of the rest of the cast returning and reprising their roles if they wanted to come back? Yeah. They did. They all did a really very good job. D'Onofrio is a star, but I agree with you. I mean, I, and I didn't watch all of Daredevil, but I watched enough of it to say, why not? I mean, you know, are you telling me that these guys can put together in a successful Netflix series, but they can't be in like a movie or something like that? If, you know, I, I would keep the casting the same. Deborah Ann Wool, that was her name. And Eldon Henson, who was the guy who played Foggy. But I loved I loved Foggy. The, I loved uh, Henson in his role as Foggy. Foggy Nelson is was like the center of that series. Like he's the moral compass, and that's I, I love when you have that. Like Charlie Cox and his role as Daredevil, and you know people always make comps with characters like Batman. Daredevil to me, outside of the tech, he's to me the dark gritty Batman of the Marvel world, and would be a great street level hero to add to the MCU. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So where does he fit? Who? That's a tough one. I mean, where where do you put Daredevil in the MCU? Because it's it's not they're getting the rights to Daredevil, they're getting the rights to Punisher, presumably they're getting the rights to Elektra. Uh so there's three street level very street level characters, and in the case of Elektra, hero slash villain, more anti hero at times. Yeah, I don't know where you put those in there you know i that, i know the petition is to bring back net you know the series for a fourth season i, I don't see them doing that no matter how good because that was such a good third season it, it was it was and it, it's not it's not to decry how great the series was it just doesn't seem like something disney would do to just right. let's do it let's pick up where netflix left off i don't well, see them doing that because there was just so much on. If I remember that season correctly, it was just a lot of unresolved stuff at the end of that season. Like it just didn't quite feel complete. And I think that's what I hear fans kind of wanting is some sort of resolution to, to Tony's point. Maybe it's a movie that you finish, you resolve daredevil with a movie and kind of wrap it that way. You know, some of the rumors I heard, in terms of the Daredevil character, and maybe not so much the King Kingpin character, but a lot of people make the logical connection between Daredevil, Kingpin, and Spider-Man, as the Kingpin is also a um, a Rogues Gallery member of Spider-Man. I think he was actually introduced in Spider-Man right. before becoming a Daredevil villain, and so you you have that sort of natural connection there. the The problem is is that those two Spider-Man MCU movies are so they're fun. They're they're light. They're 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 bright and colorful. And Daredevil is not. Hell's Kitchen is not. And in a lot of the representations, uh, Matt Murdock ends up being the lawyer for Peter Parker slash Spider Man in some way, shape, or form. Daredevil doesn't necessarily, you know, team up right away with Spidey. He sort of teams up 
on the fly after Matt Murdock's been brought into the equation. So that's one possibility. I don't know that there's another existing franchise right now that we know of on Marvel slate, at least in the movies, maybe, maybe Hawkeye, which is an animated series or, I mean, they've already done captain they've already done captain America and the winter or Falcon and the winter soldier. So it's not going to fit there. I don't know. Like, I think the fit is a real question as to what they're, what they're going to do with it. Now, if they make that blade movie, they do that blade movie. I could see it fitting with blade because blade is an R rated character. We were talking about R rated comic book characters last week, blade with a, an R rated daredevil movie. Like those could kind of fit. Maybe they, maybe they start the Marvel Knights thing. Or that like, direction. Like you were talking last week about Deadpool three. I mean, maybe there, there's another another potential place to bring him in. So, but I, I, I signed the petition guys. I did. <laughs> Good for you, Patrick. I'm just like, it's the link is there. I didn't have to give him any money. Now I just get it. Annoying. Why is the studio audience booing that decision? That is tough crowd. I'm tough crowd. Sport. Wow, not a bunch of Daredevil fans out there. Well, that's that's right. I love I love Daredevil. You know, but you know, if they the ideal place I think to bring him in, Patrick, you mentioned Spider Man. Spider Man three has the potential to bring him in because if you remember where Far From Home ended with the disclosure of who Spider Man was, and he's gonna need a lawyer. He's gonna need a lawyer. That's right. He's gonna need a lawyer to get out of this mess. Yeah, I. I think that's the only one that makes the most logical sense. Uh, and it's a movie that hasn't been, hasn't started filming yet. So there's the potential there. Who knows? We don't, but it's still an exciting thing to think about. And it's just nice to kind of put a bow on this to just slowly, but surely, even if it's under that Disney umbrella, which I don't love Marvel getting its film properties back. And this is just another one. You add that to the X-Men, you add that to the fantastic four We're getting closer and closer to a fully realized quote unquote true Marvel cinematic universe. And that's a great thing and can only add to what they can do going forward. Cause I think, I think there's an audience there. I don't think it's a big audience, but I think there's an audience there. It, it, but I mean, it, it just opens up like we're talking with the Mandalorian and how everything opened up. You now have options as to where you want to go and you can tell like, you know, you've heard me bemoan the age of Ultron and how it wasn't the real story because they didn't have the rights to everybody. And now the more right. of these characters that you have, you can tell these bigger stories. You know, if you want to tell Daredevil born again and touch on edgy shit like that, that that they otherwise might shy away from, you know, now you can tell Deadpool stories uh, there. There's so many things that they can integrate with this that. You know, and, and Marvel, after everything that happened with Infinity War and Endgame, very cosmic oriented and that sort of thing. Maybe they do want to get back to the street level and a more grounded approach before they start amping things back up into this massive scale. And Daredevil, Punisher, uh, they're perfect characters for that. Do we know when they get Luke Cage back? Oh, I do. No. Because because here's what's funny is so many people are clamoring for resolution to, to Daredevil. I hated that Luke Cage got canceled after its second season because the end of that second season, I was all in just totally in on how that season wrapped up. And then the rug got pulled out on that one. 
I felt Iron Fist finally found its footing, and then it got the rug pulled out from underneath. It's that is one of the problems I have with Netflix series is that it seems like the leash is very short with some series, and they just like when Netflix thinks it's done, it's done. And I'm sure that's based on what's the easiest choice you can make: window instead of middle seat, picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket, outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You know, how often they're watched and rewatched and all that stuff. You know, people who analyze data far better than I do. But yes, let's get the let's get the MCU whole. Let's let's get everybody there. And then let's yeah, let's get some street level stuff going because there's some really good stories there, some great characters there. But that's gonna bring it into our first half of the show, fellas. We're going to take a quick little commercial break. Uh, before we do that, uh, before we go to our commercial break, I do want to remind everybody that uh, if you like what we're doing here on the chairshot.com, if you're a big supporter of the chairshot media group, head on over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and support us by buying a shirt. We have all kinds of shirts that support the various podcasts and shows and sayings that we have here, including a bandwagon nerd shirt, including uh, the other show that I love to listen to um, every Friday. It usually is when I get around to listen to it. A winner is you. There's shirts like hashtag save tag team wrestling. There's shirts for just the chairshotmedia.com. There's uh, hashtag journalism, Jesus did the job, all of those great things. Spend $19.99 and get it a regular style or spend a few dollars more and get it soft style, the style of the queen of style, soft style Miranda Morales. But yeah, buy a shirt, support us, support what we do. Thank you for supporting us. Remember, that is prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair show. Now, when we come back, Dave and I, are going to add to your holiday shopping potential with your nerd holiday shopping guide. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, found at thechairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Why should you visit thechairshot.com? Thechairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out TheChairShot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out. TheChairShot.com. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. All right. Welcome back. Dave, I told you we're going to talk some holiday shopping and kind of help you fellow nerds find the gift for the other nerds in your life or just put on your wish list to give to that someone to say like, hey, 
I'd really like this. But I want to tell you where this all started and, and what brought this idea up. One, I told you, like, it's just it's such a slow news cycle right now in the world of entertainment and a lot of what we follow. People just aren't putting films out in the, the winter months, December and January in particular. Things get kind of weak is a nice way of describing it. Just not great. And so. I was sitting around on io9 like I tend to do, and I saw this article that kind of set me off because it was a toy watchdog group says Hasbro's Star Wars Darksaber toy is too dangerous because it's a plastic sword. And so this group is the uh, watchdog world against toys causing harm. Say that five times fast. Basically warning against a sword-like plastic toy that children might wield like a sword i've handled said toy and would you say it is dangerous sir not any other dangerous than any other stupid fucking toy you're gonna buy for any stupid i mean for any other kid (laughs) right there you go alienate the stupid fucking kids Tony. well here's the best part is i take take one look at this article right i see a link to the toy and i'm like oh let's click a link to the toy and i'm like oh that's awesome i'm like hey hey little odell come here check this out he's like oh that's awesome i was like let's look it up do you want it on your amazon wish list he was like yeah and i'm like hell yeah so guess what's on the little odell's amazon wish list for christmas now a 29.99 dark saber toy that lights up and makes noises just like the thing and he's like it's even my favorite color it's black and I'm like, hell yeah, dude. It lights up and makes noises. Are you telling and, me that and, this thing is more dangerous than the plastic lightsabers that have been around for 20 years? No, it's not. It's it's a it's a watchdog group picking out a toy that they that is that is part of a known brand. It's it's clickbait, in my opinion. Like if you if you if I were really to break it down, it was clickbait. But but what it did is it made me go through and I was like, you know. A lot of a lot of these websites like io9 slash Gizmodo, whatever you want to say, uh, the Nerdist, the Nerdist, yeah, uh, they put out lists of some pretty cool stuff. Tony's showing us a picture of the live studio audience. There's a member of the live studio audience waving one around right now, like it looks like a toy sword. It's every plastic toy sword that's ever been happened. Somebody got a bug up their ass and said, ooh, we can get some press because this is Mandalorian. It looks just like a black version of all the other lightsabers that have been out there for Star Wars for, uh-oh, there's somebody over your right shoulder who's uh, Patrick. He's like, give me that dark saber, Dad. I don't know, Tony, you've seen it in person. To me, it's like those lightsabers, the plastic ones that you flick out and it extends. It looks just like one of those. But it's black. It, it, it's not like that. It's consistently its own shape, but it's not sharp. It's plastic. I mean, it's not heavy. Yeah. It's light. It makes the noise. It's it, it's cool. It's really cool. But and it's selling. But it's not any more dangerous than buying a set of Legos for your kid to open the box and play with the pieces. I mean, you know, let's just go back to parenting one hundred and one, and you know, watch your kids. <laughs> Right. And here's the thing is the little O'Dowd has one, two, three toy swords already. He's got a little ninja sword. He's got a lightsaber that he built at Disney World about a year ago. And he's got a Pirates of the Caribbean sword, a cutlass from the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, which he liked more than the ride itself. The little O'Dowd is a haunted mansion kid through and through. That is the number one ride of choice. 
uh, when it comes to the to the show rides. Well, so you, you do have to do the pirates out here in California. It is far better than the one in Florida. Yeah, I mean, I liked the I liked the pirate ship like explosion scene. Like that was like five seconds into the ride, and then like the rest of the ride was kind of boring. Like, not going to lie. I was disappointed in Pirates of the Caribbean. Trust me on this. You don't have to trust me on anything, Patrick. This is one trust me. Trust me on this opinion. Because I've been on both, and yeah, ours is way better. That- hey, can you tell me how the, Can you tell me how good the Rise of the Resistance ride is out in California? No, I can't. Can you, can you, oh, right, you can't because you didn't get to ride one. Right, but before I everything shut down. No. In Florida. Wah, 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 wah. So, so I'm looking at this article, and I was like... Let's pick out some cool things that we think people should buy for either the nerd in their life or should ask for the ask for from their love funds to get them. And I've got a list of a, a of a few. But Dave, how about I I'm gonna hand it to you first? Kick it off for us. What was one of the things that you saw that you feel everyone should perhaps get the nerd in their life or ask for if they are a nerd and one? Well, I will start off. I don't know how you want to do this. We're just going to ping pong back and forth. I got yeah, quite I a, this play off. I got quite I a few. A... I got quite All a few. Right. But I, you know, from the board gaming standpoint, because I'm a big board gaming fan, this is one that. What's up, Tony? Oh, he's just listening. So here's here's one on Amazon right now. You can get Gloomhaven for a hundred and eleven dollars. Now, Gloomhaven is the number one ranked board game on Board Game Geek. When I bought this thing two years ago, it cost me $300 and I had to go through two different sellers to find it because the first one fucked up and never sent it. It is number one for a reason. It is a phenomenal game. I mean, it is like, you know, if you've played any fantasy, Final Fantasy based sort of games with the RPGs, it's a it's a board game cooperative RPG brought to life with just tons of depth, replayability components galore they've got like a separate thing that you can actually buy like a component organizer but it's like 90 dollars. like fuck that's almost as much as a game but to see that on amazon for 111 dollars um that's a steal when you consider everything that you get in that game and how much how much enjoyment and replayability you will get out of that uh, i'd highly recommend that i know a lot of people like if you're into harry potter there's a a not new but it's relatively new it's a harry potter hogwarts cooperative like a card building game that i haven't played yet but i've heard lots of good things about it and it's harry potter and it's ranked fairly well and most of the reviews i read on like board game geek and stuff talk very positively about it so those are like from the board game standpoint the two things that i've seen that stand out to me but yeah that price on gloomhaven that's um damn near unbeatable okay so i'm i'm gonna lead with my big gun and sort of toy i want like I want, but I know I'm not going to get, I haven't even looked at the price cause I'm scared to look at the price. But while the Avengers campus at Disneyland resort isn't opening anytime soon, cause we're all stuck here. They are releasing, uh, this thing that was revealed at the D 23 expo last year. And it is your very own spider bot, a spider man robot drone that can crawl backward forward crouch spin has laser eyes can attack opponent spider bots if you know something and even blast off their shields there's a whole video right now on the disney parks blog and you can start trying 
because I'm sure this is going to go fast. You can start trying to buy this thing if you're not an annual pass holder from either the, let's see, the downtown Disney district at Disneyland Resort at both World of Disney and Disneyland Resort Backlock Premier Shops beginning on December 4th. So that's this Friday. You can start looking at, at buying this thing. Now, I will go to Anaheim for you, Patrick, for the right price. There, There is a limited quantity pre-sale event in the downtown Disney district from November 30th through December 3rd, if you're an annual pass holder. Which we are. I'm, I'm going to click on this and see if it tells me how much it costs. It does not. It just took me to, it doesn't tell me anything. I have no idea how much this thing costs. The video, it's ridiculous. Like... I want I want my own spider drone. I, I want it. I want it. Now, I is, this, it. is this something that when Avengers because like you because you went to Galaxy's Edge when you were in Florida, which is yeah, it's, it's, I think it's very I think it's very similar to like the R two D twos, like okay. build your own sort of. Okay. I don't think the, I don't think you build it. I think these are just things to per like this is a thing to purchase. It sounds really cool. I, I mean, if it's anything like the <laughs> droids that you build at Galaxy's Edge, and it's going to be a spider bot variation of that, that just sounds. Yeah, it won't be cheap. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm actually while you're talking to me, I'm just watching the like. Oh, oh, it lights up. It moves around. It's so dope. Like eight independent legs. Oh, it comes with a little remote control that looks like a little uh, like a little Xbox controller. Ah, oh, God, it's awesome. Anyway, so that was number like any any Spider Man fan needs to look into this thing needs to look into it get it and get two so that you can battle your friends and the winner like their shield the little top it has a little blue top shield thing it pops off when you lose that's that's gift number one what do you what else you got what else did you see you, you talked about some gaming stuff Ooh, tony's got something what is that pc oh tony what do you got? what is that that's a, that is a yoda lamp Ooh. You can see it's made out of bronze and it's really nice oh, that, is, that so. is sweet that can't be cheap um 180 so that's not horrible i mean look at that that's that's right. oh, yeah. not consider and that's yeah that's a beautiful like rendering of the like of the puppet it's like a it's like a game of thrones style yoda lamp sorry i i will say like uh you guys get the noble catalog from from noble games or something you know, I, I mean, I'm not the biggest chess fan in the world. I appreciate the game immensely. Some of the chess sets that they have are crazy. Like the Lord of the Rings, or no, the Harry Potter chess set, which almost looks like wizard chess for real. Uh, the Jurassic yep. Park one, I think I sent a picture of you. Those chess sets are really, really awesome. They're like five, $600, stuff like that. Um, on the video game front, uh, you know, obviously, <laughs> if you have the means and you can find them, I've heard nothing but good things about the Xbox Series S and the PS5. Um, this, good luck. What's that? Yeah. Good luck. Right. Yeah, good luck finding them. Uh, Nintendo Switches seem to be available, certainly, if you can find that. Um, the um, Did you find one, pa Patrick? We're not going to talk about that, are we? They're available. <laughs> Patrick looks yeah. over his shoulder. <laughs> um, yeah, the yes, I can attest to that. Awesome. The Oculus, I know DP, when he was on the show and on his own show, talks a lot about VR. Oculus seems to be more um, prevalent now and available. Two video games that I've been playing a lot of that I highly recommend, and I'm a sports gamer. Tony, don't leave yet because you'll, well, he's going to leave anyway. But um, one of them he plays, and PGA Tour or PGA Tour 2K21 is a fantastic golf game. Love that game, been playing a lot of it. 
And um, UFC 4, EA Sports actually did a really good yep. job with UFC 4. That game is a lot of fun and, and so many things you can do on it. Just, uh, you know, develop your own style, whether you want to be a striker, whether you want to be a grappler, BJJ, that sort of thing. Um, from the video game standpoint, those are kind of the ones that stood out to me. That And I know Tunney's got PGA Tour, so I'd kind of like to hear what he thinks about that. But those are the games that stand out to me this year. And, and that's my sports gamer bias coming through a little bit. But um, Sure, sure. Yeah, and I think everybody and their brother, I'm such a I'm such a stick in the mud when it comes to first gen new consoles. Like I'm just not that guy. Like I'm never in a rush to get them. I can I can wait a couple of a couple of years. There is a if you're a fan of Supernatural, the TV show Supernatural that just wrapped up, there is a dope box gift subscription box that you can get for 60 bucks that comes with the entire series gear figures journals like everything and anything you can imagine that has to do with the tv show uh supernatural just looks ridiculously awesome for the for the super fan in your life the other thing that i'm surprised there aren't more people trying to talking up or trying to get their hands on is there's an animatronic toy doll whatever you want to call it of grogu out there that you can get it's, that, on, it's on my list we've got one. Oh, that, did I, oh you got one yeah we do oh, it's on your it's on your personal christmas list or you own it we, we, are, right. we already own it it was uh somebody wanted so, somebody that so house pre-ordered it this toy so tell me about this toy have you have you pulled it out of the box oh, and yeah. kicked it up yet? oh yeah i mean it it it, it does <laughs> it coos it does the baby language the baby yoda sort of language the coolest thing it does patrick though is that when it uses the force it'll raise its hand like in the show, and its eyes will close and its hand will move. So it's just like Grogu using the Force in the show. It's a uh, the dogs aren't so fond of it because it just freaks them out. But it is a it is a fantastic. Yeah, there you go. Tony's got his Grogu thing. Uh, it is a um, it's really cool. I mean, it's it was uh, you know, we them yeah, my people in my house they've pre ordered the damn thing way like six months before it ever came out. But it does. From an anima- animatronic toys status, it's really cool. If you are remotely interested in Baby Yoda, Grogu, whatever you want to call it, it, it's awesome. I'd highly recommend that one as well. I think what you have is selling at retail for $59.99, and I believe that you can get a doll, a Grogu doll, for a plush one that's eight inches tall for like 10 bucks. So, yeah. I mean, if you know somebody in your life that's a nerd, odds are they're watching Mandalorian. They know what's going on. If you have ten between ten and sixty dollars, pick the one that interests you. That's a great fucking gift. If you want, Patrick, I'll go get him and turn him on, and we can do a live thing on the air. I mean, Tony apparently wants that. I'm sure that'll make for great radio. I thought you were about to offer to go back to the Disney store for me and get the spider bot that I so desperately need to have in my house. Like I thought you were leaving now to get in line because you might need to. If it's anything like the line to get onto. The, the um, shoot, I forgot the name of the, the Rise of the Resistance ride. Uh, you'll need to get in line today for, for the pre order. Just I, saying, I'm, like, I'm, oh. I'm leaving right now. I'll catch you guys right, later, excellent. man. That'll do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Is Dave <laughs> going to go pick up uh, a spider bot for me? Tony, I had, I had uh, recommended PGA Tour 2K21 a few minutes ago. What, uh, what are your thoughts on that game? PGA. Oh, it's, it's excellent. Um, you, you got to find your settings in there, but you know, 
if you're a fan of golf and and video games, it's it's one of the best games so far. Considering you can change the way you use the analog stick to swing, and you can change its forgiveness. So if you're really good, you can up it. You know, you do have to go in and change the AI for the computer players because it does get ridiculous at different levels. Um, speaking of games, and you brought one up before as far as board games go. One that's really selling, and it might have been around for a while, and people might know about it, but I know that it's it's just flying off the shelves right now. Is it, I, I believe it's pronounced Catan. Oh, settlers of Catan. Yeah, they they dropped the settlers of part, and now it's just called Catan. It's just huh. called same game though. But there, are, yeah, you know, you can you can do the five to six player expansion. There are so many different uh, ways to play the game too. They differ different expansion packs. Um, sea settlers, pirates, uh, cities and knights, traders and barbarians. So I, I've had experience with people that are in their early teens to their, you know, I'll assume 50s, 60s that wanted to play this game. So I, I would imagine it's done very, very well. It is a board game, but I guess the board is random each time you play. So it does change up a little bit. Dave, I see you perking up there. If I may. Catan is the game that really it's 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 the it's the father of modern board gaming. It it was the game that they actually put out there that really revolutionized the industry. I love the game. Don't get me wrong, I love the game. It's probably at this point a little overrated just because it's so out there and and it and it is it is the game you use for people who come up to you and they say what's that? It's overrated like Thanos. Uh, maybe not that overrated, but no, it's, it's what you use. Like when people who you meet think that board gaming is all about monopoly or like the game of life or right. something like that Catan is what you bring out to introduce them to a whole new, bigger world of board gaming because it's, it's a, it's a very basic Euro style game that has some, it's got competitive levels. There's a little bit of cooperation brought in because there's the trading element it's it's not too competitive that it's that whole gotcha sort of thing. Um, it is it is a fantastic game. Um, you know, from a strategy standpoint, it's certainly not on the level of like like Mage Knight, like I was talking about earlier. It's nowhere close to that. I mean, not even in the same galaxy. But it's got enough strategy that it differentiates it from a game like Monopoly, which is almost all luck driven. So would you say maybe it's having a little bit of a resurgence now and it could be something that you could introduce yourself into a higher level of board gaming? I don't think it ever had a lack in popularity, to be honest with you, Tony. Resurgence isn't the word I would look for. It's if it's got a resurgence, it's because more and more people are starting to get into that hobby of board gaming. It, It is the game that everybody uses to introduce new players to this wider universe. Um, it is extraordinarily well, popular. If you've watched Big Bang Theory, they play Catan all the time. It's always on the table. And I, I would say maybe it's I would say that there's a little bit of a surge. I think this is one of those things where you want to talk about a result of the pandemic and things where people stay at home. Board gaming is a big part of that. Uh uh, was it last week or the week before, Tony? You were talking about that show on Netflix, uh, with about the ch- the woman chess player, Queen's Gambit. Yeah, I wanted to bring it up before. The Queen's Gambit is phenomenal. Right. It's one time six episode series. They're all about an hour, and the cast is phenomenal, and so is the storyline. Chess games have started to 
be and 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 this show is being a part of the the reason it, the sales have gone up for chess sets by 87% was one of the articles i saw that like across the country and part of it is yeah part part of it is we just lost patrick that, that that's the part of it that we had to talk about what were you saying Pete? oh there he is he's back there he is start over you said part of it is Yep, you froze. We got it. We it's got all you. good. Frozen. We covered. We covered so. you, buddy. It's all right. No one will ever part know of it the is, difference. Is because we, you cut out at part of it is, and we're assuming is because the pandemic and it takes time to play these games. Right. It brings people together. It brings families together in one spot. And then the show, because it was so good and so popular, is it's actually being a contributing factor as well. Yeah, chess is a great game. It's just you know it, it varying levels of complexity. That's for sure. Do things that it, do things that don't involve a TV or a screen that take time interest you more now than they have in you know prior to a year from ago from now? If that horrible grammar there, but you a hundred percent cross. I'm not crossword puzzles, jigsaw puzzles. Like that became a thing when we first started having to do stay when we started doing stay at home orders. Suddenly, something that my son likes to do became something that we then were like, well, let's do this as a family and started buying these puzzles and really got into like finding challenging jigsaw puzzles that we could do as a group. So how about a great gift for the nerd in your life? Since this is bandwagon nerds and we're talking about gifts is you can be discreet, just call them up and have a conversation and say, you know, what are you watching? What are you into right now? And you tell them and they tell you. So it's just a conversation and you find out what it is. And you go out and get that puzzle. But not only do you get that puzzle, you get a frame that fits that puzzle. That way they can get that puzzle, put it together, frame it up, hang it up. There you go. Merry, merry, happy holidays. Merry Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. That's right. So I had one other toy that I wanted to talk about because I'm definitely the toy guy. And probably because my son is obsessed with Legos. If you have a Lego obsessed DC fan in their life and $250 to blow, there is a Lego Batman 1989 Batmobile set that is, it's just ridiculous what you can do with Lego. Now you want to talk about something that had you told me 30 years ago, it would be what it is today. This thing for the price that you pay does so much it comes with a display card because it's one of those things that you build and then you don't play with necessarily it has a vicky Vale, a batman and a joker classic uh, 1989 joker a lego minifigs it has two hidden machine guns that will pop out and a slide open cockpit just like the car in the 1980 movie batman does Oh, I'm sorry. I said two. It has three mini guns. I was wrong. It's ridiculous. It's over the top. It has a bajillion pieces. It looks amazing. It looks just like the vehicle. And if you have a Lego enthusiast, and this is for like a serious Lego person, like this isn't your eight-year-old child. This is probably the 40-year-old child that refused to grow up. Get them the and that loves Batman. Get them the 1989 Lego Batman Batman 1989 Batmobile. It's it's awesome. It's cool. It's dope, um, and, and it's worth the price in my opinion. Can I add? So I'm not a Lego fan. I, I mean, I I love Legos. Okay, yeah. I love, but I'm not good at that. I, I'm not good at building. 
that's just you know some people are good at it others aren't i i love legos i'm just not good at it it's the modern in my opinion it's the modern models like you know yes. when, when our kid, like you'd put like the car models together you'd go and you'd buy the kids a lot of these i see as being very similar it's just a different mode of building i saw online scouring the internet as you said patrick one of the things it's a lego like an expert building i don't know what it is but it's the lego millennium falcon ultimate edition this thing oh, costs a thousand dollars it's what they're listing for on amazon for this thing 1k for a Lego expert Millennium Falcon Ultimate Edition. I mean, I looked at it as like, that looks dope as fuck. But yeah, there's no way I could do it. But $1,000. Almost anything uber popular with Star Wars, you can find a Lego set for. You can find the normal layman's set for the Millennium Falcon for 100 bucks. I mean, a lot of that goes for 60 40 I mean, the, the coolest things to me that I've seen is like you can build the Starship Trooper head in Legos. You can build Yoda in Legos with the lightsaber. <clears throat> you can build the Darth Vader head uh, in Legos. I mean, those things are pretty cool. The other thing that's interesting to me is now they're getting out and doing um, monuments that are popular as well. Yeah. You can do the house. You can do uh, the, the France, you know, the the, the uh, Tower. Tower things of that nature, they have the, and they're going into television shows. You can create Central Perk from Friends yeah. with Legos. I've seen right? that, yeah. So uh, Harry Potter's been gigantic, and uh, Star Wars just consumes itself with all of the things that they can do with Legos, and it, and it's it's amazing. The one, uh, it's interesting you mentioned the monuments. The largest Lego set ever made in history just came out. It's the Roman Coliseum. It's I can't remember how many pieces it is, but it is by pieces. It is the biggest Lego set that they've ever they've ever produced. And it look and again, it looks amazing. Like these things look terrific. The last thing I have on my list is. Oh, go ahead. 10,276, I believe. 10,276 pieces. I would probably lose more pieces that uh, like I could just it gives me anxiety because I'm not organized enough to build something like that. But I'm impressed with people who are very meticulous and take the time. Sorry, I was 90 over. It's 9036 pieces. Oh, it's, our, it's, our, like our, the, it's like the Wisconsin recount. You're 90 over. There you go, Tony. It, we I still won, though. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> The last, uh, the last item I had on my list is for the nerdy cook in your life, the Star Wars cook in your life. Instapot has Star Wars-themed Instapots out there, including one that is covered in pictures of Grogu, and one, I love the Imperial one, that has a Stormtrooper helmet and has like it broken down as to the different parts of the Stormtrooper helmet, and the little like timer where you punch all the information in has the, the Empire logo in the background. Um, to do Instapot. So if you got somebody who wants an Instapot and they love Star Wars, these things are only a hundred bucks. That is a very reasonable price. I think it's totally cool, totally da- uh, totally dope, and you should get one. I've got three others that I found that are just little knickknacks. So one of two of them are Star Trek based. One of them is a Star Trek phaser remote control, which it's like it's a phaser, but it's a remote control for the TV. I don't think they're like on Amazon. They're not currently available, so I don't know how much they cost, but I'm like, wow, a remote control shaped like a phaser. That's badass. 
the one that I found that I loved is uh, it's a Star Trek Enterprise pizza cutter. So if you can nice. imagine, it's and it's thirty five bucks on Amazon. So the Enterprise top of it, you know, the flat part is the pizza blade, and then you know if you put it in different orientation, then they've got you know the wings coming off the back. It's thirty five bucks. I'm like, that's really cool. And then I also saw a Death Star waffle maker. So it'll make the waffles will be in the shape of the Death Star. I think these are like 40 to 50 bucks if you can find them on Amazon. Um, those are just like little knick-knacky, nerdy sort of things that that I saw out there. It's like, oh, those are really cool. I, I mean, I'm totally behind a Death Star waffle maker. I have been for years. So I can't, I can't complain about that. I think those are some excellent, excellent choices. And, you know, there you go, folks. A plethora of nerdy items that you can get out there in the web to get the nerd in your life. Or if you are the nerd in someone else's life, be like, hey, this would be pretty dope. Or you says can, your thank you. You can send thank you. Or you can send us any of these gifts and we will gladly take them off your hands. Yeah, cash donations also accepted. Uh, if you are an annual pass holder at a Disney park, could you please uh, just tweet at Wrestling Realist, that is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-S-T. We will work out a spider drone system of exchange. Bandwagon Nerds is all about the payola. Yes. That's right. That's we'll, right. We are we'll, not we'll above ch- that. Check you out on the podcast for toys. The last topic I wanted to talk about today happened in the news. We're recording this on Sunday, as we always do. A news item came through and a a little bit of a melancholy happy trails to David Prowse. Now, for those of you who don't know, David Prowse was the actor inside the Darth Vader suit within the original trilogy of Star Wars. And... He's probably most infamously known as the guy who spoiled the Luke Skywalker reveal in an interview about a year before the movie came out. But he was also one half, and there's nobody that would argue that Darth Vader's voice and that presence that was created by James Earl Jones isn't the most significant part of of Darth Vader. But when we talked about when we did the Star Wars episode and Ray was talking about how Darth Vader wasn't very scary. And I, I was the one who brought up that Darth Vader as a character was very much the product of the time that, that the movie was made where those large looming, almost lumbering sort of figures were big in horror and were these big scary looking icons. David Prowse created that piece of Darth Vader his presence on the screen as like, he was a bodybuilder. He was a tall bodybuilder who like just, he, he was heads and tails above everyone outside of Peter Mayhew when it came to the star Wars characters. And I feel is at least deserved of some of his due and recognition of his contribution to bringing Darth Vader to life in the original star Wars trilogy. Yeah. He, they're inter- I mean, they're not interchangeable. They're uh, inextricably intertwined. James Earl Jones and David Pry- Prowse. You can't really have one without the other. But yeah, I mean, without the towering stature of Vader in that outfit combined with that voice, I mean, you're, we're probably not really talking about Star Wars right now. He was the perfect fit at the perfect time, you know, and, and I think uh, I, I didn't realize he was 85 until today when I when found out he was gone. 
but yeah, that's it's a melancholy note, and and you know, rest in peace to him, and may the force be with him. Right now, I will say uh, there were there were some interesting things about his life. He he, after leaving the Star Wars franchise, like the relationship between him and George Lucas and the rest of that cast was not good. Uh, he felt uh, one, he didn't know that his voice wasn't going to be used for the character. And so there was there was some hard feelings there. And after the sort of the reveal thing, he personally felt very slighted and sort of felt like they were trying to out him and was almost ostracized. There's a very good documentary out there about him. It was a 2015 documentary. It was made, I think it was Scotland did this, where they looked him up and and did a documentary of his life. And it's called I Am Your Father. It is an interesting hour and a half. Uh, to say the least, least, and something I think is worth checking out if you want a, just a little bit of Star Wars lore that I think a lot of people don't necessarily know. So check it out. He won't be remembered the same way that a Peter Mayhew was remembered. He won't be remembered the same way that a Luke Skywalker, or like when Mark Hamill passes. He's clearly not Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, or, or Harrison Ford by any stretch of the imaginations. But he was a big part of those movies. And so, you know, ha- happy trails. I lift my glass. David Prowse, uh, you know, see you on the other side. Yeah, agreed. Tony, you got anything? All right. And so on that sobering note, we'll transition into Patrick O'Dowd as a question as we are in a shortened edition of Bandwagoners. We're only like an hour and a half, fellas. Greg's going to be thrilled. He's going to be ecstatic. You hear that, Greg? Ecstatic. I'm looking at you. Greg. I'm talking to Greg. I don't know who that is. Uh, some guy, <laughs> some guy, some guy, his name, his name, his name's attached to the website. I hear anyway, it's the holiday season. I love, I'm, I'm a Christmas guy. I'm share that right now. I'm a Christmas guy. I celebrate Christmas, love Christmas to no end the day or not even the day after the Thanksgiving dinner has been consumed. I will then start doing all of my holiday stuff. And that includes pulling out every holiday movie I own to, to watch in succession, including holiday movies that aren't necessarily holiday movies or specials. For example, I always, for some reason, watch The Sound of Music and The Wizard of Oz during the winter holidays, just because. And, and it has nothing to do with Christmas. They're just movies I, I watch um, and connect with Christmas because that's when we always watched them. So that led me to one a potential couple of projects that, I, that I, I'm thinking about doing. I'm thinking of doing a holiday special project at some point, Dave, or a holiday entertainment project. I, I feel like there's something there. Uh, the other, I voted for a Christmas story in your poll, PC Tunny, but then also I have to go, I have to go find your poll now. It's over. My poll is over. over. <laughs> My poll is over. Uh, wah, wah. But what it did get me to thinking about, and and Tony's little poll actually was part of what got me thinking not, about. Not only now is it not over, but it's little now. It's adorable. It's adorable. House. Boy, if it wasn't, if that wasn't directly related to real life, I'd be offended. Wow! Wow! I'm not offended. Anyway, it's not, it's not let's, direct. Let's let's get, let's get let's get this back on track. But it got me to thinking after looking at this poll that. I uh, I don't like Elf, like the movie Elf. Why? I just don't. I don't find it entertaining. I don't know if it's a Will Ferrell thing, 
But like, I didn't find it entertaining. I don't find it endearing. I, I don't care for it. And so my question for the two of you, what is your unpopular opinion holiday special? Because mine is Elf. I don't like Elf. I, I never watch it. I skip it. I don't care for it. I don't ever want to watch it. Oh, I'm going to inflame some people here. <laughs> uh, White Christmas and Miracle on 34th Street don't do anything for me. And neither does It's a Wonderful Life. So I, I just, dude, I, I appreciate what they are. I do. It just, it's just not the kind of movie that, that gets me, you know, and I, I can't explain it other than that. I'm not going to go so far as to say it's overrated like Thanos or Boba Fett, like you would Patrick, but they're just, they're just movies that I understand everybody loves them and they're sentimental and, and, and they, they're well for well-respected. They just don't do anything for me. So I'm sorry. I agree. I agree with Dave. They they don't travel well for me. They're a little dated. Um, I would rather have the comedy style of like Home Alone or uh, Four Christmases is an underrated movie with Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn. Uh, Give me Bad Santa with Billy Bob Thornton. You know, things of that nature. I want to laugh. I want to be told a little bit of a story, but I want to laugh about it. Because that's what the holidays are. I mean... I don't know. A, a lot of those others are a little bit predated to being very serious and teaching you a lesson, you know, in, in the tiny Tim sort of way. It's really interesting that you mentioned white Christmas, Dave, because you liked my status where I said that was the first movie I, I watched. And that's the list. thing. I respect anybody watching it and I respect that you're watching it. It's just not you're, my kind of movie. So that, that was a movie made in 1950. I can't even remember. And what's, what I always find interesting about it. And I, I, I like it, but I don't love it. That's why it's the first one that I watch. My all-time favorite holiday special of all time is uh, a 1950-something British version of the of, uh, of the story of Scrooge that is just very gothic and dark and is is terrific. And Tony's making this like okay face, like you do you, man. But uh, but there's a whole story behind it, and if we do the holiday projects, I want to I want to run it by when we get Ray back on the show to see if he'd be down for it. Maybe right before Christmas, just dropping down. Maybe our top five, our top five holiday specials, movies, animated, whatever. White Christmas though is like the most horribly like I watch it today, and there's just pieces of it that are so uncomfortable that it, it, to watch because of the, it being a reflection of its time. Some of it's funny because of the way times have changed. Because for those of you who don't know, if you're if you're a political person, for the longest time before sort of the civil rights movement happened, the Democratic Party was really the more conservative of the two parties, and the Republican Party was the, was the Liberal Party. And so there's a line where Bing Crosby and Danny Kay are in Vermont and they're talking about, well, where do we, how, how do we find somebody that everybody in Vermont will hate? And they're like, I don't know, find a Democrat. And the joke is, ha ha, conservative Democrat, he's going to be hated in, in Vermont. And so the, the story is flipped now. And if they were to make it today, it'd be like, find a Republican. The other thing that I find really interesting about that movie is it was an Irving Berlin film. Irving Berlin was a long time theater guy known for all of these great musicals that he made in like the thirties, the forties, but in the fifties time started to pass him by. And he, it is, it is evidenced in two of the musical numbers in white Christmas. One where he sings, where he has Bing Crosby singing with Rosemary Clooney. That's George Clooney's mom about missing minstrel shows. And you're just like, Oh, that's, that's not good. 
like nowadays you're like oh that's that's yikes the other thing that is in this is that he wrote a bitter angry critique of the theater and its changing of dance and choreography and has this whole number where they mock like avant-garde dance and it's just clearly like this old man get off my lawn sort of moment that is hilarious what i think is really interesting is that without white christmas some other iconic scenes that we've seen throughout time wouldn't exist today for example the madonna video the material girl song where she's in the pink um, dress and surrounded by men in tuxedos that's ripped straight out of white christmas the um it's also uh gosh i'm I'm gonna forget oh marilyn monroe also ripped it earlier in diamonds are a girl's best friend and so it's interesting that movie had some influence and some role the song white christmas actually wasn't even written for that movie it was written previously in an earlier irving berlin film uh called holiday inn which is another one of my favorites that i watched from the 40s so that's more than you ever wanted to know about white christmas and probably more than you ever wanted to know about irving berlin but i my mom is a big reason why I watch a lot of those movies and still do to these day and, and enjoy them. And yeah, I, uh, I love them. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't have anything to add because, because like I said, no, no. white, white Christmas just, is, I mean, it, it, I respect it. it, it, it I respect the hell out of it. I totally understand why people don't get into it. Like I like people today, like you watch that movie, you're not going to like it. Like it's just not. Let's put it this way. A lot of the movies people watch around the holidays have a lot to do with the movies they would watch growing up and things of that nature or with family as they got older because it's a time when you get together and in the background something is on or you go back with your intermediate family and the day is over and you put on a movie or things of that nature. So it's special holidays in a family way, however your family is. Right. I remember it used to be an event like around the house like rudolph the red-nosed reindeer would yes. play on cbs and we would plan to watch that shit santa claus like we'd sit around, yep santa claus is coming to town Frosty. santa claus yep all those mine's not specifically a christmas tradition but one specifically that comes back to me is doing something with my aunt and we would she you know i i lived with my grandparents early on at a young age and my aunt was still growing up in the household and she was much older than me but we would watch the Charlie Brown Halloween pumpkin special and we would bake pumpkin seeds. We would carve pumpkins and bake pumpkin seeds. So much like that, you know, tradition is with other people as far as the holidays and, and viewing goes. Right. So, yeah, th- thanks for that, guys. I appreciate that. Um, and we'll be talking more holiday stuff as we get closer. Uh, I just think that, that that's kind of apropos. Like I said, we're going to talk it over. Maybe there will be a top five, not a top ten. I don't know if we need to dedicate a top ten to holiday specials, holiday movies, however, top three. Tony said, I, you know, I almost thought about doing a top five worst of the worst that, that we come to a consensus. And I don't, I don't know that I want to put you all through that. So. I think that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. As I said we're going to run a little under time, about an hour and 40 instead of two hours, so that's exciting. Uh, thank you again. Why don't you guys tell everybody where they can find you out there on the interwebs? We'll start with you today, Tony. Why don't you kick everybody off? Find me at PC Tony. Check out thechairshot.com. There's something for everybody, sports entertainment and sports entertainment. 
David Ongar. So I figure I got uh, at least a 20-minute post-credit spot that I can do on this episode to get us to two hours. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you with your Lord of the Rings ending to Always use your head. Uh, no, you can find me on Twitter at AttitudeAg. That is at AttitudeAgg. And on Facebook.com slash AttitudeOfAggression. Um, I, just, I like the idea about a holiday special, Patrick. I, I think we can come up with the top 10 easy. Top 10 Christmas movies? I know Piece I know. I can come up with the top 10 Christmas movies. I think that, that is easy enough. Uh, I just want to get Ray Cash involved, see what he thinks as well. Uh, and, and Tony, if you want to participate, you're welcome to as well. Uh, because I know that, you know, I think there'll be a lot of, I think you'd be surprised how many comedies will be on my list right up there with everybody else's. So, um but that uh, you can find me. I should I should tell everybody how to find me. You can find me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. Again, that is also um, at W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. Slide into my DMs if you're willing to buy me a Spider-Man drone from Disneyland. I'm all for it. Thank you very much. Otherwise, you can catch me every Monday on Bandwagon Nerds. You can also hear me on Wednesdays as part of the Greg DeMarco Show with Greg DeMarco and Miranda Rallis. Also, follow the Bandwagon Nerds Twitter account. We haven't had a lot of activity lately we need to kick that up again and read every thursday the nerd review this past week dave and i dave was the east german judge this week as we talked about planes trains and automobiles as he only gave it a 4.25 i think to my 4.75 i didn't go 4.5 didn't i five close to five uh i i uh you know (laughs) what i messed up the line I, I just know that I, I and I put this in the in the review. I gotta tell you, there's a lot of quotable stuff, but when Steve Martin curses out the rental car lady and just keeps saying, I want my fucking I walked through fucking this to get the fucking that to get that I want my fucking car. She's like, let me see your rental agreement. He's like, I threw it away. And she's like, Oh, you're fucked. So great. <laughs> And the rental lady is none other than the neighbor from the Hogan family. Yep. And she was she, the uh, principal's assistant from Ferris Bueller, another John Hughes movie. Yeah, John, John Hughes uses her all the time in films. She is a great character actress as well. Uh, I forgot her name. It's Edie. So I looked it up for the for the review and I wrote it because she's just so good. And she's she makes that scene like Steve Martin just being totally broken is great. But then she just very calmly. Oh, you're fucked. So great. Great, great stuff. Anyway, give that a listen. Uh, Dave, I'm thinking, speaking of holiday stuff, I think we got to go holiday themes for the month of December uh, with, our, with our nerd review. But I, I'm thinking we could have some fun with it. We can argue over whether Die Hard's a Christmas music movie, for example, or Gremlins. <laughs> well, what Gremlins are you, you going to pick then? Are we going to do this off air? Uh, we can do it either way. I just threw out a couple that we could talk about. Um but yeah, just uh, tune into it. We'll let you all know. Greg always makes makes me tell everybody on the uh, on the Demarco show as well before it drops. But that I think is going to do it uh, for Bandwagon Nerds. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. Check out prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. Help support the support the chair shot radio network. That's been an issue. Uh, this has been an edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Get yourself out of the basement now. Get some sun. Get that holiday shopping early. We gave you a list. You make sure to check it twice and get something special for that nerd in your life. This has been Bandwagon Nerds. Make sure you slide up.
Make got sure a better chance to pick up sticks with our butt cheeks. <laughs> we will get right. out of here. Make, Day break. God damn it. Make sure you slide up into Patrick's DMs, folks. Wiping that fucking dumbass smile off your rosy fucking cheeks. Then you can give me a fucking automobile, a fucking Datsun, a fucking Toyota, a fucking Mustang, a fucking Buick, four fucking wheels and a seat. I really don't care for the way you're speaking to me. And I really don't care for the way your company left me in the middle of fucking nowhere with fucking keys to a fucking car that isn't fucking there. And I really didn't care to fucking walk down a fucking highway and across a fucking runway to get back here to have you smile at my fucking face. I want a fucking car right fucking now. May I see your rental agreement? I threw it away. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, what? You're fast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.